Gamers. Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time watching or listening, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. Share it. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. Everything helps. So thanks, at the very least, for just being here. My guest today was just inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, joining the likes of Leonard Cohen, Neil Young, Gordon Lightfoot. Everybody knows and loves him. He is a rock legend. Please give it up for Kim Mitchell. since you've been in New Brunswick playing? I think, you know what? I, I, something's ringing a bell that was last year. I know, I know we did Iceberg Alley in, in Newfoundland. You know, my, my tour manager is so, like, he's so amazing. He remembers absolutely everything about every gig. It's just... Like you said, it's hard to remember. After, like, touring for so many years and just so many cities and stuff like that, does it kind of become a bit of a blur? Uh, sometimes, yeah, depending on what time of day you ask me. Um, but uh, yeah, I've done it. I've been across Canada, I swear, 40 times, if, if not more. Uh, other places more, other places less. The East Coast probably less, probably like 30 times, uh, you know, 25, 30 times. So um, we don't get out there enough. But uh, yeah, yeah. So it becomes a bit of a blur. I remember certain things when people go, oh, do you remember Do you remember playing the antique car show in Moncton? Like, of course I do. It was right downtown. And, and I actually, you know, saw some pretty pimp and paint jobs. That I was like, man, that, that's pretty spectacular. I, you know, because I'm a bit of a car nut too. Not, not in a huge way. In a different way I am. I'm more of a track guy. But um, are beautiful, you know, pieces of hardware, that's for sure. Yeah, what do you drive? Uh, I drive a, a Porsche, a Porsche, Porsche. I just say Porsche, all those snobs, right? Like, I, I'm a lucky, I'm a lucky guy to, to have done it. It's just, I've always, since, since, uh, you know, the, the good eighties and stuff like that, I always had a little toy and I just take it to the track. It's pretty much sits in the garage, but I, I like it. Uh, I like to go to the track once in a while and do Grand Prix driving, not, um, not, in a circle or drag strip yeah it's funny you say that about the porsche and porsche because you always hear the the celebrities make sure that they say porsche <laughs> who gives a shit <laughs> you know? i agree i agree I, yeah it's a it's a it, well you know what if that's the way they want it pronounced that's fine the company you, you know I, i'm okay with when i'm at that place and they talk like that it's sort of in a group of people that, you know, you're drinking, having a beer and you're like at a campfire or something. Like, yes, my Porsche GT3 is like, yeah, shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's funny about like the forgetting where you've been, like cities and stuff. I, I always remember, I think it was Dave Letterman talking about how he interviewed so many people every night that as soon as it was over, he already forgot who he just interviewed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not my case. Um, 
but you know there there's some bands when you see them on stage they have the city written down on their monitor so that they don't forget right and i can honestly say i've never done that and i have only mixed it up once you know What'd so you i just named the wrong city because because uh we were there the night before it wasn't a case of it was just it was just out of habit you know like you're saying like say St. John, St. John, St. John, all of a sudden I'm going, Hey, and I'm in Sydney. Hey, St. John. Ah, oh, whoops. I mean, you know, and of course it was like, boo, boo. <laughs> it didn't happen. And it happened in, in the U S actually. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, come on, cut me a break. We're, we're playing a different place every night. And we were just there last night. You guys are way better. Ah. <laughs> Quick turnaround. Yeah. You, bit of a sidestep, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's not there hasn't been too many embarrassing moments like that. No, it's 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 usually pretty good. Yeah, well, that's good. How long's your how long's your podcast been going? Uh, three three years now. Nice, nice. Congratulations, man. Oh, thank you, and congratulations to you. You were just recently inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, well, COVID came along and prevented that from happening, but apparently I am. It still got, counts. I've got the T-shirt. <laughs> so so uh and and you know I, I don't mean to make light of that that is quite an honor like you can see gold records coming you can see juno awards coming you can have certain accolades throughout your musical career but man that one if someone were to it, you know say to me a week before they told me hey who do you think is going to be the next person inducted into the canadian songwriter hall of fame i, I the last person i would even thought of would be me you know and um so I was floored when they said we want to induct not just a song or a couple of songs that we want to induct your whole body of work. And, and yeah, my line that I keep saying is, wow, that's a pretty dysfunctional bunch. I should fit right in. Um, so, you know, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, uh, you know, Leonard Cohen, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. I, and I keep, I keep saying this, I've said this a couple of times that, you know, I'd love to do a group shot because I'd love to see the look in their face when I walk in, they go, Oh, Kim's not a girl. <laughs> <laughs> the classic misconception. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I thought your name was Max Webster. <laughs> so like, have you always kind of called yourself like a goof rock writer type, like performer? You know what I mean? Like, I think I read that somewhere that you were, sort of a self-proclaimed goofy writer when it came to rock and roll. No, no, no. I don't, I don't even like that descriptive. I don't remember saying that, but uh, yeah, no, I, I take my work really seriously. And, and uh, maybe in the early days of Max Webster, it was eclectic. It was kind of weird. And I, maybe I made an offhanded comment, like I'm just a goof writing music, you know, um, depending once again, but no, I've always taken music, you know, serious fun, actually. Um, I would say, you know, there's really nothing goofy about a song, I Am a Wild Party, or Rockland Wonderland, or Go For Soda. Um, yeah, I don't know.
when I found out that I was going to be able to get this interview with you, I was really excited. So I started going through your library and catalog. And I, I mean, I've listened to you my entire life. And, but one song that really stood out that still to me is one of my favorites is All We Are. And I've been listening to that every night for the last week. I just, that song is so powerful and just almost transcending of music. It, it really takes me to a really cool place. And I just love that track. Uh, it's, that's really nice of you to say that. Um, uh, that song was an interesting one from the standpoint I, when I wrote it, I wrote it on keyboards. I'm not a keyboard player, but I just, you know, I, I horse around on it a bit, know a few chords and I wrote it on keyboard. And then I realized I can't sing this. Maybe one day I'll have a, a female in the band or something. And, uh, cause I, I could sing the verse. And then when it came to don't ask me, I was like, no, it needs, I kept hearing it an octave above, you know, some soaring voice. And so I shelved it for probably a couple of years until Peter Fredette walked into my life in the recording studio. And I said, uh, do you sing it all, man? He goes, yeah, yeah, a little bit. And he kind of sings some other stuff. I'm like, wow, this is, you've got a great voice. You have a nice high register. And then I started thinking all we are. And I said, can we try this little part here? I was like, uh oh, this is great. This is amazing. So I called it out. It's been amazing ever since. Yeah, that's a great, great he's, he's, song. He's, he's become, thank you. I, I, I'm pretty proud of that.
like what's your process like for writing i mean you're a hall of famer now i, I would love to know when like how you start writing what kind of process you have okay sure um i look at it a bit different than a lot of writers there are some writers out there that think like i do or i think like them i'll, I'll say that um which is all the i look at it like these ideas are floating around up in the universe all these little zaps of ideas and then they come come down and they'll pick something like me to be the conduit to bring them to life so i just kind of serve the song i feel like the song's roadie i don't look at it like yeah i came up with this part and i came up with that part and uh blah 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 I'm, i look at more like like even you were just talking about all we are you know even though i said i you know i came up with this on the keyboard it was more like i don't really play keyboard how did how did that happen this this stuff was going through my head and so i feel like it's a song sort of working me i'm kind of the medium of it and uh so that's the process and from there sometimes i'm staring at a lyric sheet sometimes not it just kind of happens how it happens they're all kind of different um so but if with my attitude with songwriting and i think I, i've told this to young songwriters too you know give me some advice songwriting it's like dude just or, or whoever you are get your music to where you love it get your songs to where you love them and kind of forget the outside chatter what everybody's talking about you're you're the writer here or you might be working with a couple other people get that get that to where you you you're excited about it and you love it. it's like oh, i love it and then beyond that you can't really predict what's going to happen or not happen. It's not your gig. Yeah. So you you kind of subscribe to the idea that ideas are sort of their own entity and you just kind of tap into that conduit and then bring them to life. Yes. Do you Yeah, you know, Bob Dylan thinks like that. Um I think Neil Young sometimes has said that too. Um there's been songwriters out there that are kind of like man I'm not writing a song it's kind of like comes to me and and I try stuff like my new song wishes it took 10 years to find the right parts it, it had some awkward moments in it and it that took a long time to sort of and I go to it and go it almost felt like the song was going now that's not it go away come back a few months later no you don't have it all right how about this no no and then it was like yeah more of that you know six months yeah that's it that's it do that kim do that okay yeah we got it you're you're getting it and a couple hours later it's like it's done it feels like we're complete here now yeah do you do anything specific to tap into that energy or does it you just when it comes it comes yeah um you know there's two couple kinds of writers i think kind of what you're asking there they're sort of staff writers and people who write jingles commercials and stuff they sit in a room every day and they come up with ideas I, i'm a i'm more of the school of you can't you can't rush creativity you can't hurry it along yeah i'll go downstairs and, and work on a song and work on an album but when it comes to new ideas you could be driving going to get a burger somewhere and i was like whoa whoa what's that and grab your phone and sing sing a line uh no rhyme or reason why that just happened when it did so that's why i think it when was the first song signal that you received that you remember uh it was on the greek island of rhodes 
was in my early 20s and a co-writer ended up writing with Max Webster named Pi Dubois. He was a, a friend that I didn't grow up with, but he was in, it lived in the same town and he wrote kind of poetry and jammed around with the English language. And he was going to Turkey. He was, he, he said, I'm going to come over and visit you, man, in, in Greek Island of Rhodes because I'm going to head off to Turkey after that. So I'm just going to stop in and say hi. I'm like, yeah, sure. It'd be awesome to see you. Um, and we're just sitting around and like, <clears throat> he'd show me some stuff, some lyric stuff. And then I'm just sitting there and then bang, these chords kind of rolled into my head and a melody. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, sure. And we wrote a song called, I can only give you what my heart already knows. And that was lifetimes ago. Wow. Was that There's the first about, song? About 100, 150, yeah, about 150 tunes later, I think. <laughs> so that was your first song that you ever wrote? Yeah, it's never been recorded. Oh, really? No. Performed live? No. No, it's, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of unfinished. I'd call it an unfinished first valiant effort. <laughs> and, and, and not worth maybe pursuing. That's that's another thing um, for songwriters. It's like if you believe in your song and you're struggling with it, sooner or later it's going to get done. There's always the other side of the mountain. But that was the first tune, and it was kind of like, yeah, that's pretty good. And then a few months later, you're like, yeah, it's not that good. So I just start writing other stuff. So. <laughs> so when did you start music? Like you wrote that song in your 20s, you said. Yep. Had, you been, had you been playing guitar and things like that leading up to it yeah. for many years? Yeah, man. Uh, I left home. At, I quit home and quit school at 17 and moved to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I like to say Canada because this, these podcasts go worldwide. Right? Exactly. So, um, yeah. So Toronto, Canada, we moved as a 17-year-old. But I've been in bands since probably 12, 13 years old. Little stupid, you know backyard little hey hey what are you doing you know been there uh, yeah oh, okay <laughs> sure so you you know that and, uh, but it, it was it's a cool time you're playing guitar you're taking lessons from a teacher learning on top of old Smokey and some <laughs> little stuff like that that's when i started and did you know that music was like your career path right from day one uh my parents said somewhere around five years old, I was sitting on my father's lap and Elvis Presley came on the television and he was singing. And after that, I was obsessed with guitar. They said, you'd, you'd sit, you'd go in the corner and I'd lay down on my stomach. We had a little record player on the floor with one speaker. It was mono then. And I just listening to Elvis records and Patsy Cline. And, um, and so I was kind of obsessed with that. I just, I didn't, wasn't, I lost interest, they said, in going outside and playing tag with my friends. And I just became staring at this record player, listening to music the whole time. What happened to our son? And that was where it. He, where did he go? <laughs> He's over there in the corner. So Elvis was the first influence. What was your biggest influences after that, once you got like older and really into music? Just... Uh, people who own their own piece of musical real estate. Um, and what I mean by that is 
not sort of the radio fodder, the sort of following trend stuff as the people that were like, wow, you know, like in, ten, in three seconds who that is. Uh, I was a big, not many of your listeners, if any, I doubt will have heard of this person, Captain Beefheart. I was a big Captain Beefheart fan. Um, and then, you know, along came Jimi Hendrix and changed the world of guitar playing. And that was pretty a pretty spectacular moment in musical history. Um, everybody was flipping out on him. And I, I, I was too, although I flipped out more on his second record. I thought his first record was, was amazing, but it kind of, I wasn't a fan of the sonics of it. The, the sound of the, re, the record itself was like, listen to it. Everybody's like listening loud and I'm like, oh God. But all of a sudden the second record and Electric Ladyland became one of my favorite all-time records. I'd, I'd listen to that record it's a double album. I listened to it over and over and over with headphones laying on the floor. Remember when I was in uh, Toronto, moved, had moved to Toronto, at least once a day, I'd listen to that album top to bottom with headphones on the floor. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. It's so good. I Yeah, I remember doing the same thing with Jimi Hendrix. That was one of my first loves and probably one of my biggest influences for me to decide to start playing guitar. Oh, great. Yeah, how old are you? 33. Okay. Yeah. My son's just a little bit younger than you. Uh, one of my two sons. And it was the same thing. Well, all of a sudden he's not even a musician. One day I look at, a, at an iPod and he goes, I said, well, you got Jimmy Hendrix on it? He goes, yeah, Electric Ladyland. And like, I'm like, wow, it kind of surprises me. He goes, oh man, it's like ridiculous. And then he had one size fits all by Frank Zappa. And I'm like, wow, you're, this is impressive. You're <laughs> all the classics, right? Yeah, and then, then in the, as far as the world of guitar uh, goes on, uh, you know, I was influenced a little bit when I came back from the Greek islands. I was influenced by John McLaughlin, who was sort of a uh, jazz, a rock jazz player. That was sort of a whole new thing that kind of opened up. Mel D. Mule and, and those guys. And then Eddie Van Halen came along, and he, I think he sort of reinvented it again, really took on some new attitude that, that the guitar needed <clears throat> and I'll always respect him. I was, I totally jazzed when I met him and uh, he came in our dressing room actually. We, we played a gig with Van Halen and they didn't have to come in see the opening act but knock 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 trailer door opens up. They didn't they just opened the door they didn't even say can we come in they just opened up the door and walked in and we're like that's Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar. What? That's awesome. <laughs> big, big moment. Yeah, he was so sweet, too. He was really nice. What other moments like that have you had on the road? Lots of moments. Um, it's some nice stuff. Just, I guess what you're asking is a lot of times I'm not sure people even know who I am, some of these bigger artists. And so I'm interviewing Tommy Lee once because I did a career in radio and Tommy Lee's like, well, Kim, you know what it's like playing in front of 17,000 people. And I'm like, well, actually, I play in front of 1,700 people, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> no, he was really sweet. Uh, Paul Stanley was really nice. He came off an elevator and someone introduced us. He went, oh, yeah, Kim Mitchell, go for soda. I love your work. Um, Neil Sean of Journey, we were doing a, we were opening up for them and we're at a crew meal. So it's backstage, it's a crew meal. All the bands are eating, the crew's eating or catering and i'm freaking out I'm like you know sean's sitting over there i want to go say hi to him but he's eating his dinner and the, and the band's probably the band, my band's going 
he probably knows who you are. And I'm like, get out of here. He doesn't know who I am. So just as I went to push, push my chair back to go say hi to him, he pushes his back and comes over and introduces himself. Hey, man, I love your work. And I'm like, holy shit, man. So stuff like that has happened, I think, in, in our lines of work. And I'm speaking to all your listeners. Whatever you do for a job, it's always nice to be accepted and acknowledged by your peers that you look up to. They'll look up to all these people, didn't even know. And then Gene Simmons was Mr. Showbiz. He was like, uh, I said, how come Max Webster never opened up for Kiss? He goes, because you guys could play. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's showbiz to him, right? Like, it, he doesn't care. He's like rich and famous. And, but it was just, I thought it was such a classy, sweet, playful thing to say back to me. I, I'll always remember that. And then uh, Black Sabbath, we were in the studio. They were in recutting, and Tony Iommi came over to where we were recording. Hey, you guys want to come in and hear a playback? We're like, what? Sure, okay. And there we were. They just cut some track. I don't know what it was. Ozzy was in the in the TV lounge. He wasn't in in for the playback because I think his dad was sick. So, uh, and he he uh, we just sat there. And, and meanwhile, they're really nice. They're like, hey, you know, sit here in the middle. You know, sit here. And they just cranked that piss out of them, blowing our brains off. And I'm like, man, this is a song that was cut like 20 minutes ago. And I'm privileged enough to be sitting here listening to it. And I can't for the life of me remember what song it was or what album it was. <laughs> but it goes from sort of moments like that to ridiculous moments. Like, I remember stuff in my life, Chris, like we had a, our equipment and everything after a gig and the, we had a flat tire. We didn't have a, a friggin' uh, jack. So we literally took the gear out and the band members lifted the truck up, like right as he loosened all the nuts off. Okay, I'm going to pull the tire off now. Lifted it up, put the, and then put the new one on. And when he put the new one on, he put it on backwards, like reverse. <laughs> like, so we had to lift it again. So there's moments like that. There's moments of when I first left home. Do you want me to shut up? Not at all. I okay. want you to just okay. keep okay. going. Because you can, you can edit this, right? <laughs> of course, but I don't want to. I love okay. I love all this. Okay, so, and then there's moments of, of, like, first moving to Toronto at 17, and we're in a house, and we're living to living next door to three convicts that just got out of jail. Not only that, but our fridge, this is, this is paying your dues. Our fridge was out back because the landlord wouldn't fix the fridge, so our fridge didn't work. So when the weather got warmer in the summer, the van had to break up. <laughs> and that's a true that's a true story as ridiculous as that sounds we could are we moved to toronto sort of in the fall no early fall yeah i'm gonna say like september and the fridge still worked and then it didn't work and we're like hey we gotta fix our fridge like, i'm not fixing the fridge go get go buy yourself one I'm like we can't afford a fridge we're eating craft dinner every night and, and rice and you know once in a while there's a bit of chicken or something like it's crazy so anyway i don't think i've ever heard of a band fight originating from a fridge a band fight <laughs> didn't you say we like couldn't live together or no no we couldn't we couldn't we had to break up because we couldn't feed ourselves we, yeah. we, couldn't, we couldn't we couldn't uh keep food cold like nothing we could keep because the fridge didn't work and the landlord wouldn't do anything about it I mean, we're a whole band living in a pretty big house in Toronto for 150 bucks a month. So, um, you know, we sh I guess we shouldn't have 
complained and bitched. And we had three convicts living next door that just, the door just swung open one night while we're eating dinner and they come waltzing down, down the hallway. We're like, we're going to die. This is it. And they're like, are you the guys playing the music? We're like, yeah, because we'd be jamming, right? We're practicing like crazy. Well, it sounds good. So if anybody ever gives you a problem, you let us know. We're like, Whew. nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they said, you got any, if you got any booze, we didn't have any booze. We couldn't afford booze. And, and I said, I have some aftershave. Like, Go get it. And they drank my aftershave. Jesus. <laughs> and then, let's <laughs> remember this dude. The one guy does it, takes a glass and he puts it against the wall and he jumps up and does a, a handstand and picks the glass up with his with his uh, thing and, and drinks, I don't know, a pop we had or something, half a pop. He drinks it upside down, then he gets up and he takes a bite out of the glass and chews it and swallows it. <laughs> it's like the, I'm like, this this is from, you know, high I was in high school, you know, like like a week ago. Now I'm like in Toronto watching a guy who just got out of jail eating glass and drinking my aftershave. And that was the start of your career. That's right. And it went <laughs> and it went downhill from there. <laughs> well, what was the craziest thing that you remember from the road? That's right up there. From the road, um, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's, there's good things that happen. I mean, and bad things, you know, just crazy stuff. Um, stuff I, I might not want to discuss, you know. Um, Understandable. I, I, I met the famous groupie on the road, Connie Hamaz, Hamza, Hamza or something. She's in the song, We're an American Man. Should they write about her? They go, Connie, Connie, sweet, sweet Connie. She had the whole show and that's a natural fact. I think that was a little rock Arkansas. I met her. I didn't. We're the opening act. I we, don't get it. we don't get anything, you know. <laughs> the headliner. And, uh, and I met her. I just kind of waltzed into a washroom and something was going down. And, and later I, I apologized to the truck driver. I said, man, I'm so sorry, you know. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. He says, that's, that's Connie from, that's the famous Connie from the Grand Funk song. I'm like, okay. Nice. <laughs> okay, there's one for the road. Witnessed a little piece of history. I've never, yeah, it's true. And, you know, I'm, I don't tell that story often because it's not like, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy moments back then. You know, life was crazy back then. And, and uh, I'm glad that, we are where we are now. Yeah, you're, I noticed you're, you're very modest saying like, he, he won't recognize who I am, but I mean, you're Kim Mitchell. You have so many hits, like you're a classic rock legend from where I come from. Everybody knows and listens to Kim Mitchell. And just even when I was telling friends that I had this interview, it was just, the response was overwhelming. It's, oh, it's a real testament to the music you've played in your career. Well, thanks, Chris. That's when I hear stuff like that, it's very humbling to me. And, and I don't take it lightly. That, that stuff means as much, if not more than a gold record or platinum records on my wall. This is, this is like, well, not face to face, but screen to screen, you know, people telling me uh, something on a small piece of their, the, fabric their musical fabric in their life and that to me is 
is amazing. I love when people come up and, and I'm not saying, hey, come on up, I need it. It's, like, it's just really nice when people come up and, and they tell me a story. And sometimes they have this look on their face like, oh, I'm really sorry, man. Can I? And I'm like, no, I'll tell me your story. Man. What's up? What is it? Because, you know, I'm hanging out with any one of you. That's what I feel I, like. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would, you know, like it, I feel like that when I, um, in my career, that anyone who I meet, especially out, out, in, the, out in the Maritimes, uh, some of my favorite times out there are after the show, like back at the hotel lobby bar, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just meeting everybody and saying hi, and it's like really nice. I love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a small town here in St. George, just outside of St. John, and it's a it's a pretty classic rock town, I would say. Like that's right. that's the consensus favorite genre. And like I said, grew up listening to you. All my friends, same thing. And I mean, it's just been an honor to talk to you. And I I hope that well, like right now we're doing pretty good in New Brunswick. We have not many cases. We're starting yeah. to get some live events rolling. And hopefully Ontario can sneak in sometime soon and you guys can do a little. Yeah, it would be tour. nice. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. So hopefully when things get going again, I, I can uh, meet you in person. and. Yeah, it would be, nice. be nice. Tell me about your guitar playing. Absolutely, I will. No, tell me, tell me about it now. What are your... your, your uh, I've played my whole life. Um, oh, good. I've been in a couple bands that never really did much. Played a few atlantic canada festivals and now i just i basically just play on my own and teach my son oh nice nice you know i, I was, if i may be so bold as to say something that when you play when you said oh our, they, they didn't do too much but when you're playing together with a band man and when you connect it's the same feeling that anybody's getting a celine dion or an acdc or a u2 or a rush or a kim mitchell or an april Y. when you connect and start transmitting that musical energy, it's all the same feeling. What you're talking about is the numbers at the end of the night are different, that's all. True, it is true. I mean, I played on a big stage in front of very few people, but it is, it's it's not about who's there, it's just about playing those songs the way you've written them and just enjoying it with your friends on stage, really. That's right, I've played to a lot of big, I've played to a lot of big places with not many people too, man, so, you know. It's all fun. Okay. So. It's all fun. It's all. It's it's a great way to make some gas money. That's right. All right. Awesome. Well, your new single, Wishes. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, thank you. Really looking forward to the new album, Big Fantasize. And honestly, thank you so much for doing this. It's been an honor. Yeah. People, people, your listeners can go. Your viewers can go hear it at kimmitchell.ca, and you know you'll they'll see links there to Spotify and whatever. And all that jazz and I, anybody who hears the song I hope they like it because the song meant a lot to me that the, when I wrote it so I hope people dig it perfect thank all you right, so man. much alright take care later, go work too hard man some may wish for city streets jewels or silken gown some may
Are the things that I wish for? These are the things. 